Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You made it! Part three of episode 300, and you will be rewarded. The next guest begged me to be on episode 300. He said, if you're going to be doing an episode 300... I got to be on that because he has been on Turned Out of Punk not once, not twice, not three times, but this will make it four times. And every time it is a pleasure. I am talking about my hero, my friend, one Jay Maskus of the greats, Dinosaur Jr., of Deep Wound, of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, of, of Turned Out of Punk fame. Anytime he comes on this show, you know it's going to be memorable. And anytime I can punish this guy, you know I'm going to take that opportunity and just make it as awkward as possible. So here's Jay Maskus on Turned Out a Punk. I love you, Jay. It's over? Yeah, when it's over. If you decide to hang up on me, I'll call you back. Okay. Say thanks. <laughs> That's if you hang up. Jay, thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you. You're, you know you've been on the show now four times? But who's counting? I am. I am definitely okay. counting every single time. Well, four out of 300, that's not a very good uh, ratio. That puts you in like uh, a rarefied air, though. You're part of the four club. Hmm. There's right. like yourself, John Worcester, professional wrestler MVP, Zach Blair from Guar, and, and Jay Maskus. Hmm, we should start a band. <laughs> I think that would be the best band ever. I think that is, uh, that's my new favorite band, but, uh, Jay, I wanted you to come back on here because very early on I interviewed you. And I remember at the time, I I just didn't do a very good job on that interview. There's a lot more for us to uncover. It was before a show too. You had to run off and play a show that night. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe planning is not your strong suit. I don't know. No, planning is definitely never my my strong suit. Hence why we're doing this on the fly right now. Uh, right. One thing I didn't want, uh, I, don't, I don't think I talked to you about this last time, is how did you meet Gigi Allen? I just met him at practice. Uh, Gerard got me in the band. He's like, oh, you want to play with Gigi Allen? I was like, it seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, but... Had you seen Seemed him live? like the punk thing. I hadn't seen him live, no. So what was your... So yeah, you hadn't seen videotape even? Was there videotape even floating around back then? I don't know. Because there are those tapes, but I guess, you know... Had you heard, like, stories of what this show was going to be like? Like, were you... And what I'm getting at is, were you prepared? I don't think you can be prepared, you know? It's one of those things. <laughs> you really can't be prepared for it. Because when it's happening, you're like, holy shit. This is... <laughs> you know? It's... He really was a different guy on stage. He seemed like fine when we practiced and stuff. He was very personable. But then I took a look at him and he's coming on stage and he's like, 
you know, he was a different person. His eyes were just glassed over. He's like, like he wasn't even there. And, you know, he takes a sure 58 mic and starts jamming it up his ass and shitting on the stage. And people are immediately throwing bottles at him. So he's bleeding from the chest and shit and blood on the stage. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is not, not good. I had to, so I, you know, moved as far away from him as possible on the edge of the stage. And yeah, I don't know. It's so weird that he had developed that cult that quickly, you know, like, I guess it was like an eight year span or something, but like, still like, for there to be an audience that's not only willing to like sit through a show, but like that into it, that they want to participate in the events. Well, I, I remember, you know, a lot of my friends were at the show and stuff from around New York. And as soon as he started, they, they see how real it is with the, everyone is pinned to the back of the wall of the club. There's like, tons of space out in front everyone's just like pinned to the back wall they were just like did not want to get near them except a couple of girls i um i've had like a, a few people on the show um in the last few years that have had you know various kinds of run-ins with gg allen and uh you know like encounters and things like that it just always comes back to the fact that like no one is prepared <laughs> like no yeah. one was adequately prepared for the situation yeah, it's just like you think you're into punk rock, but are you really? <laughs> yeah. What's your definition of this genre? Because it's about to go out the fucking window with this show. What? <laughs> Whatever your definition of punk rock is, it's going to go out the window after this show. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> Did you, uh, who else was in the band with you? Gerard's in the band, right? He plays bass. No, Gerard played guitar also, and uh, Kramer played bass, and I don't remember the drummer's name. Wayne Kramer? No, Kramer from Bongwater. And... Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Because Wayne Kramer also did a lineup with him, too. Oh, wow. It's it's amazing when you think about G.G. Allen. Here he is playing with, you know, D.D. Ramone, Wayne Kramer, yourself. Did Thurston do something with him, or, or no? I have no idea. I doubt it. Okay, well, like anyway, Gerard, like he played with like a lot of, you know, heavy hitters within music. And it's, it's good to know that, that Gigi could reach for the stars like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, had, he was a good, you know, he had potential. It's just, he, I don't know. He's a bit too shocking, I guess. Well, it's weird to think of like what would have happened if he had gotten to the era where we had, you know, Marilyn Manson and uh, a lot more artists that were known for being shocking. Like if he had gotten to the new metal era, would there have been like a G.G. Allen mainstream crossover? <laughs> Not that anyone wants that, but would it have happened? I don't think so. I mean, he's a bit too real for that type of thing. After he died, like people come on the show and talk about the fact that like, the murder junkies just didn't go away, obviously, and they just became kind of this this gang without a leader, terrorizing the Lower East Side of New York. And we've had, you know, you know, I think you know Simon Doom. I don't know if you know that dude, but uh, he was terrorized by the murder junkies gang growing up. <laughs> why? Why? What did they do? They got his thirteen year old. He was fourteen at the time, and they got his thirteen year old girlfriend hooked on heroin. Um, they also like used to rob him and 
uh, one time like surrounded him at a show. Like they were just, it just seems wow. like the, the blight of the scene. I guess, uh, you know, they just could smell their victims. Well, it's like, it's like any great, uh, army, I guess, after the leader goes away, you know, these soldiers aren't done fighting. They, they gotta keep, they gotta keep throwing the shit somehow. And apparently they would play shows after Gigi died with a different lead singer and a separate guy whose only job was to do all the fucked up shit that Gigi used to do on stage. Yeah, you'd need at least two people to fill his shoes, I'm sure. Yeah, you need like that mighty, mighty boss tone of debauchery. This is the song. How, you... how do you uh, retain all this information in your head? Because I, I just didn't put anything useful in there, Jay. <laughs> just started filling it with this crap. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, I'm glad you're doing it. Well, I, I you know what? Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to keep track yeah. of what G.G. Allen was up to at various <laughs> stages of his life. Uh. Uh, one thing I also definitely had to talk to you about is our mutual love of the greatest Canadian export franchise, I guess, at this point. And I'm not talking about Drake. I'm talking about the Degrassi. Yeah. When did you remember first seeing the show? I have no idea. Like, whenever, a long time ago. When did it start airing? Uh, well, because there's the kids of Degrassi, which is like when they're all elementary school kids. Um, and the storylines. No, it wasn't that. Okay, it wasn't that. So that because I, I think that one goes back to like eighty one or something. But I think Degrassi Junior High, it must be eighty six, right? Eighty eighty five, eighty six. Must be. Jay. <laughs> Okay, I thought that was when you were sick of the conversation. You just I could up. hear you in your desperation, but you couldn't hear me. No, you couldn't. You, did you hear me cry? Yeah. Okay, good. I was, I was, I was hoping I hung up before that, but okay. Um, uh, no, we were talking about it. Must be eighty-four. No, sorry, eighty-five, eighty-six. I think that it, right. it starts airing. But they didn't show your schools there, right? No, just on TV. We had to show it in schools up here. Uh, really? Like, weren't you doing math or anything? No, like in sex ed class. Like, I remember we saw the Spike Gets Pregnant episode. I think in drug awareness class, we saw the episode where Shane did Spike's... Uh, we did, well, we didn't have sex ed or drug awareness. You didn't have drug... Didn't, I guess you would have D.A.R.E. coming into the schools, right? I guess no. that would have been later, maybe. Yeah, there was none of that when I was at school. You Just, learn that stuff from the streets. Exactly. <laughs> learn, learn by experience. Uh, no, it was, uh, it was like mandatory viewing. You had to watch, you had to watch the AIDS episode. You had to watch, you know, a lot Jeez. of, a lot of the key episodes, but it'd be out of sequence too. So then you'd feel like, oh shit, I got to go home and watch the rest of it to catch back up with where we are. Yeah, I didn't realize how many years of it there are, because in quarantine, I started watching um, the latest one. Then I went back to the whatever the other one with Drake on it is, and then that one just keeps going and going and going. I, I can't even, I haven't even gotten to the end of it. No, it's 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 weirdly like, I don't know, it's almost like a public service in Canada that this thing, you know, like, because there's always like a new generation of kids. Yeah. And then they'll just swap out the kids on the TV show. They they did stop it for a while. Like after school's out, you, you saw that. You must have seen that movie, right? No. 
You've never seen Squall's Out? Oh, I got to find the link to it and send it to you. That's the, that's a wrap up movie from junior high. And like, shit goes bad. Shit goes bad. Jay. They, 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 uh, they wrap up some storylines. They, they wrap up some characters and, uh, yeah. But Snake is a consistent through the whole thing, pretty much, right? Yeah, Snake. Well, the, the when they first brought back the new generation or the next generation, they they brought back a lot, right? Like Spike's on that. Yeah. Uh, Joey Jeremiah. Yeah, Joey's on it. They replaced Shane, the actor who played Shane, Spike's, uh, 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 the guy who had the baby with Spike. They replaced him with Jono from Trailer Park Boys. Uh, Jonathan Torrance. Do you like that show? I don't remember. I've only seen it a couple times. Yeah, you're much better off watching, uh, you know, like Kids in the Hall or something. That's a little more, uh, you know, good Canadian TV. Yeah. As opposed to the bad stuff. Well, like, what are some of your favorite storylines from the new one? The new one? Well, of course, when Drake got shot, that was awesome. That's a wild episode. Yeah. A wild story arc. I thought the one, did you get to the part where the, uh, the others, there were, there's a stabbing that happens. I think it's four seasons later. I must have a stabbing. Who got stabbed? That really kind of lovable cute kid, but he's a little bit older. Oh yeah. 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 That's so random. It's so random. I remember once. It's like, what is What? (laughs) You're just like, I don't know. That was a bit much. Yeah. Did you watch 90210 when it came out? Yeah, I watched it. I wasn't that into it. Yeah, no, I couldn't get into it either. It just felt like, uh, felt so unreal compared to like Degrassi. Yeah. So, Cali. <laughs> you had a song on Melrose Place soundtrack, though. That's true. I did like Melrose Place better. That was like, more my speed. Like those early crossover episodes where uh, Kelly was going out with the bartender. You're like, isn't she supposed to be 17? And this bartender's got to be like in his late 30s. Nice. Well, Jay, I want to say, man, uh, I really thank you for coming back on this bad boy. And uh, you know that this thing is is a party every time you're here. And I long for the day that we can reconnect. And uh, I can... I can... I've been really missing Toronto, though, watching all this Degrassi. I'm like, damn, I want to hang out in Toronto. We've never done like a Degrassi walk tour, eh? I think you showed me a few things. Yeah. I showed you but, the I showed you the Grassy Street right by the Opera House where yeah. they filmed it. Didn't I show you that? Well, it sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. Well, next time, next time you come to Toronto, when this thing's all over, we're gonna go to uh, we'll go to um the 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 fake Toronto that they film it at now. Wouldn't it be great if your kids went to Degrassi? It'd be a long trek. I think I live like like an hour on transit to get there. What? It's not. It's not in Toronto, or is Toronto that big? It's Toronto's that big. Yeah, it's like way at the. Like I'm kind of in the northwest part of the city, yeah. and Degrassi is the southeast part of the city. Well, you could move. I could move, but those that neighborhood's way too expensive now. Oh, really? Like I'm. I'm I'm pretty much trapped in the house I'm in now. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yep. Yeah. Well, I got to come visit you. Yeah, really? I've wanted to see your record collection forever. Yeah, what happened? 
I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm just waiting for the, uh, waiting for the invite, you know, come down. We're going, uh, have you guys played anywhere near here? Uh, like New York and Boston. That's kind of close-ish, right? Yeah. What about, uh, Providence? That's not close. It's the same as Boston. Damn. You must be like right in the middle of all these places. Well, not too close. We're like two hours from everywhere and three hours from New York. Yeah, it's a it's a long it's a long uh, a long haul. You know, I'm I was always kind of was like, oh, we should just go out and visit Jay one time when I'm on tour. But it's it'd be a bit of a trek. Yeah, you could drive from Toronto at maybe nine hours or something. I don't know. I'd have to Not learn how to bad. drive. Oh, geez. Yeah. What do you make the wife drive around? Uh, I don't make anyone do anything. We could all take the subway together. She chose to. She, we both didn't drive um, with the first child. And then yeah. after the first child, Lauren was like, fuck this. I'm learning to drive and getting a car. And, uh, you know, I think the world's safer without me behind the wheel. But she did let me put a bumper sticker on the car recently. So I kind of feel like I'm driving a little bit. What is DJ, the bumper sticker? Uh, an Iron Age bu- bumper sticker. It says, keep honking, I'm listening to Iron Age. That's pretty random. I, I'll give you one. I got an extra one right here. I, I'll send you, I should send you a little care package. I also made Damien Lego figures. Does she like your DJing? Yeah, I think she likes it. You know, the kids don't like it. The kids fucking hate it. And they they, they want to listen to Old Town Road. Like all the different versions of Old Town Road from start to finish. Every time we're in the car. Where did you go wrong? Well, I don't know. Like you can't, you know, you can't force your kid to like the stuff you like. Right. Just, Although a lot of people try a lot to of people cur- try. curate their children's taste. And it ends up, I, I think they'll, they're ultimately going to wind up kind of hating you if you did that. Right. Yeah. Or become mass murderers or something. <laughs> or become worse. Yeah. It's just not a, it's a no-win situation. You know, every time I'm in the car and I'm like, let's listen to the Flaming Groovies. They're like, no. <laughs> Why would we want to listen to that? That's like a thousand years old. Did you watch that Stiff movie that's on Amazon now? No, I have it on my... The uh, tour movie? No, is it, it's, it's a documentary, right? From the 80s? The Stiff documentary? Yeah, or 79 tour or something. It's no. pretty awesome. I gotta watch it. There's like some really good documentaries on, uh, on, on like uh, Amazon. I think had it or something. Yeah. I saw the L7 documentary. I watched that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of you know a lot of great music documentaries. I want to see the I'm one of that Stano Junior documentary. I know it's done. I know I'm waiting for it, Jay. <laughs> I want to see. Yeah. I want to see uh, what made the cut. I think I was there for two of the shows that were filmed during the process of making it. So I'm, oh god, there's so much footage. I don't know how he even edited it. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. So it's coming out soon, ish. I don't know. With the COVID, it's hard to say. Yeah, everything changed. I know it's going to be on German TV, like 2022 20, or something. That's all I know. <laughs> man, well, when that when that happens, you got to come back on and uh, and promote it with me. Has Nick Loeb been on your show? No, but um, Johnny Marr was on the show and told this great story about winning some enemy uh, songwriting contest when he was a little kid. 
and recording at Nick Lowe's house, but Nick Lowe wasn't there. And then Nick Lowe came back from a rock pile tour and he just sees these boots walking up the stairs as they're recording kind of in the lower level of the house. And then they hear like a huge crash. Like he had gone to like faceplant on the bed and missed the bed and just landed on the floor or something. Did they record it? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I don't think they got it uh, recorded for posterity. It's such an awesome band when um, Larry Wallace is singing Police Car and Nick Lowe's on bass and then Dave Edmonds is on drums and the Rock Pile drummer is also on drums. On the Nick Lowe awesome. stuff? On that Stiff movie. Oh, the Stiff movie, yeah. Because well, it's it's him touring like the first record, I guess, like the first solo album. And are, is Ian Dury in it too? Yeah. And, and Reckless Eric. Oh, that's a pretty sick lineup. I love uh, I love those Reckless Eric records. Yeah, I just uh, I was impressed with that, and they sound pretty cool. Like when they're playing Heart of the City, Dave Edmund sounds a lot more distorted than usual, and kind of like, I guess, punking it up for the uh, the crowd. But it sounds awesome. That's like Dr. Feelgood on their records. Um, you know, I, I like I like them fine, but then there's that live DVD that came in a couple of years ago where they're just like unbelievable. Like it sounds way more punk than it sounds on the record. Yeah, they just couldn't capture the energy. No, not at all. And I, actually, speaking of the Stiff documentary, you heard Reckless Eric had COVID at the beginning of this thing. But he survived? I think so. I hope so. I'm going to fact check that and put it in the intro pretty sure no he's, he's definitely still alive yeah i'm looking at it now still there <laughs> nice uh well jay i'm not gonna keep you anymore man anytime you want to come back on this show uh which i'm sure will probably be the next time i force you to come back on this show please know all right the the, the door is always open all right i'll be there not not to be this person but it's like because, but, but, uh, as you guys know, I am very, uh, persistent in talking about ADHD and like how that affects people and different personality disorders and stuff. And like, I don't think all beef stories have to do with that, but I think that often like forms of mania can be part of that because unfortunately in the arts, like it's bewitching, you know, to see someone talented who is also like doing the Kanye thing, like, and just going going, 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 going. And uh, so, so I think that that is, and then you get enabled in it, you know, you get like validation on a level that like no private citizen gets when they are like this, you know? And, and, and I think that's a big fuel for um, especially the hardcore beefs, which I, I'd almost like to get more into because that's like a whole other type of beef. I find, you know, like that's, rarely that that's sophisticated like combination of like you were talking about uh off mic like steve albini sellout stuff i mean someone told me once i remember very distinctly and i don't know if i've told you this damien but i probably have said it on your podcast even but uh when you guys signed to jtree when fucked up signed to jtree someone was like oh yeah it's over they've sold out was it, uh, yeah we talked in dixon no, Ian I mean, Dixon famously. That's why we wrote David Comes to Life. Originally, it was called Ian Comes to Life. Yeah, about no. the fact that he was like, oh, he told me he he felt his heart break when he heard that we signed it to, to J Tree. Yeah, no, it was Yannick 
from uh, oh, yeah. tragedy, tragedy. union of uranus yeah. and um you know that's uh that's just like a, an example of like the sort of principle the idea that it's a principled anger you know i think has a lot more in hardcore you know like that guy punching um danzig in the face or whatever you know yeah remember that like i feel like that was like one of the first kind of virally music things i remember seeing like a subcultural music things yeah and um like there's kind of no excuse to that but wasn't he didn't he have reasoning behind that like he was like oh you guys like did something like you 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 were you moved our gear no they I weren't gonna they let move him... the set times right well no they, they they showed up and they were supposed to be the opener on the show and then they got told they had to wait till after his set to play that's fucking and, stupid. And then they started, <laughs> they started getting right. And there were still people, obviously, that showed up to see him. Because, like, you know, like, especially at that time, like, when Slayer would show up and they would have Sick of It All playing with them. Or I think I saw Dropkick Murphys in Motorhead, maybe. Or yeah, something. yeah, I remember that show. Something weird like that. But these bands would have a draw all of their own, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, they still had some people there that were seeing them. The band was Northside Kings. Yeah. Um, and they had people there to see him. And uh, Danzig's crew kind of proceeded to kind of tear down after his set. So they couldn't play. And so this guy confronted Danzig in the middle of a signing about it. And then, of course, it just escalates from there. Um, you can see yeah. on the video. And like, he, wrote, he wrote a really, there's a really actually interesting article that that, that guy wrote, gentleman wrote, I forget his name. Um, but he wrote about the experience and how much it affected his life kind of in the wake of it. And like, you know, constantly having to deal with angry Danzig fans coming after him and things like that. And it's, 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 uh, yeah, like I don't know if he could go back in time if you do it again, but it certainly is a situation where I could feel that frustration being in a fucking young band, getting a mm. show like that, especially from mm. someone who used to be involved in punk rock and not kind of being met with some sort of like empathy for your situation. Mm. I, mm. I'd be lying if I said I didn't understand why this guy would want to fucking confront. No, I, I understand it too. And and I don't know if that's like a, a perfect example of that, but I just think that type of, you know, response, like not being afraid to sort of confront somebody like that in that way. It's just to me, like a certain hardcore kind of thing, you know, it'd be like, you know, like that band Denko was talking about. It's not like you would have, gone to their merch table and yelled at them after you know having this experience with them which band are you talking about i'm talking about the band that you didn't want to name that you had the experience oh with. god it's just yeah. embarrassing that to name them i mean it, it no you should not, not. just let us drop that band. We're, we're <laughs> it drop. We're it drop. but, but it was but, nothing it's just it, yeah, i know like I, I know yeah. now it's gonna be that was like the big whole crux of this part of the i year. know I, I just you know like the robin black thing was real like we we didn't like each other there's members maybe not robin but there's members in his band that didn't like us and we didn't like members in his band and you know he's got his name on the marquee and my name's on the marquee so right. we're going at it i actually after one of the one of the spats we had when we played a show together i i saw robin at a party mm -hmm. and he came up to me he was the bigger man he came up to me and he was like uh try you know trying to be nice and trying to like cool the waters and mm. my response to him was why are you not addressing the elephant in the room 
fuck your like not him not robin but like fuck that guy in your band right and 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 so you know i i was i was unable to you know on let it go and and so yeah it's 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 a problem but then again like i said before and you mentioned it too nick it was sometimes i felt it was the fuel to you know the fire that i needed to get on stage night after night and and even the guys in the band like they joke around sometimes when we're backstage going do you know what so and so said to you about you you know right. like this guy i was passing by just outside and he said like fuck that band let's go and then it was just like you know just to just to amp me up did i tell you guys you know? the gord downey thing that he told me I said, no. yeah where it's like being a lead singer in a band you wear it differently you know like you're gonna be you know and especially i imagine if your name's on the marquee and not that mm -hmm. my name was ever on the marquee but or nick your name was ever on the marquee but we were also the type of front people where it became like oh this is like this is their band you know well yeah. on some level i mean you know i think i think that i you know i think both of our bands no, like but i mean that I, I i mean that in so far as like not in the actual internal mechanics of the band oh, but the voice the voice of the band the voice of the band but also yeah. just like the sh and also yeah. just like the 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 magnet for people's ire that the band can draw yeah. too like yeah. you're yeah. You, you become that thing and it yeah. and it just also it turns you into something different, you know, no matter what you try and do, it's just like your experience of being in the band and Gord, Gord maybe, you know, said to me, like, you're going to experience it differently being the lead singer of a band than anyone else in your band's going to experience because you have to deal with everything that comes along with being the front person of a band. Right. And that's also the bad of being the front person of the band, which is also being the come becoming the kind of like target of the band. Yeah. It well, also there means was, there oh, was one time, sorry. But there was one time an old drummer of ours in our band. We've had many, but one of the drummers in our band at the time, I was, I was in the van and I was so angry at what this writer had written about me. And I was just going off on this writer. And he said, why don't you just let it go? It's not a big deal. It's just, a, it's just one article and it's just one city. Who cares? And then one person in a message forum <laughs> on a chat board or a message board said something about him and he flew into a rage yeah. and mm -hmm. that's the difference you know as the singer or the front person you get it constantly yeah yeah and it, and you get it differently too like you know like uh you know it's not saying my experience on being a front person is the same as yours and the kind of shit people throw at me is the same sort of thing but like the amount of time I was just people like brought up me being fat and like, granted, I was taking off my shirt and I was kind of celebrating my size, yeah. but it was like every fucking comment where it was like the fat singer or, you know, like there's a drawing of me in the New Yorker and I'm just a blob with eyes. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. And it's like, um, it's, you know, and I like, and I, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I, I think I owned it enough that it became my yeah. thing, but at the same time it was like, fuck I, this sucks having to deal with it it's like being yeah. in high school again yeah yeah well that's i mean that's the irony out of all of this stuff is all these half these bands are people who fucking hated high school and then you get into a situation where you can reconfigure the social hierarchy and you fucking like wind up making it like high school again you see that on yeah. on every level of social media now and uh it's 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 so masochistic you know like yeah 
like we're in a society right now where we are literally like being fed glass. Well, we're not literally being fed glass. I don't know why I had to throw literally in there. Yeah, that was got real uh, heavy there. What What do you know about our food, Nick? What What YouTube video have you watched? Tell me. Send me the link, please, in the chat. I mean, if you've ever had some of the gum chews, then you actually have literally been fed glass. That's a shout out to my chews chewer chewers out there. I'm going to get sued by Chews on the 300th episode. But um, yeah, and and because uh, it, it's happening on a large scale. And that's just like another aspect, not to get all 300 episodes into you, that's so interesting with punk rock from the politics to sometimes the aesthetics to the, uh, to, to the, the music itself is just like how much elements of it are like fully 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 mainstream now you know and or at yeah. least like a more visible politics than ever like the politics of who's emma you know um are a microcosm of like a certain element of the last four years in terms of like the culture war quote unquote and cancel culture quote unquote and you know bernie sanders quote unquote and uh, if you're listening and you're like what's who's emma it's like i'm sure there's a bunch of essays written about it on the i think, I think they're more thinking what's this guy talking about at this point oh if I, did i go too deep <laughs> I, I think i know what you're saying <laughs> no but, but i'm just saying that that you know the 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 whole thing is and i think that that sort of dub, like principled beef criticism thing which a lot of that hat you can probably trace to say a song like um, Get Off the Air by Angry Simones. One of the first like punk diss songs, if we're gonna put it that way. Uh, uh, yeah, I wonder what would be the very first diss song. I'm sure there's like some, isn't there like a Sex Pistols diss song on, uh, well, EMI, definitely the diss on EMI. <laughs> um, God, I love that song. I'm trying to think of the Stooges or the MC5 had any diss songs. Um, uh, I guess I'm straight is kind of like a diss song by the modern lovers, right? Like on, on, um, on uh hippie Johnny who would later become the guy from the real kids. I wonder if the real kids were going, I guess they weren't cause he was, he must've been in some band. That's kind of a diss song. It's like a straightish diss song. Even. This is like a really interesting topic. Like, you know, the origins of, like punk beef songs i'm sure they, they you're right it started very early yeah um well it goes back in uh, rock and roll have you watched you watched the documentary beef right they talk about how like there it goes back to like classical music by qd3 uh by qd3 yeah the hip-hop documentary beef i mean i haven't seen it for a really long time but there's, it's, there's yeah. several of them aren't, aren't there there's a yeah. tv series even afterwards oh. Yeah, there's a, but I, I, yeah, no, there's a, I think four, maybe five movies. And then they did it. I know a, a BT did a TV series for, I think, one season. Uh, mm -hmm. I love those movies. I think those movies are fantastic. Like yeah, the structure of them, um, you yeah. know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, there are toxic results of a film like that, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, that I, that is undeniable, but just as in a vacuum with no consequences. Uh, mm -hmm. like we had in the early 90s with a lot of privilege acknowledged at that point but um yeah i love those movies back then yeah the um the beef thing when it comes to hip-hop is also very interesting 
you know, it's very respect based, you know, and it's a lot of the time you're seeing someone's like neighborhood, you know, and the politics of their, just their neighborhood, like are the reason for like a high profile, you know, like conflict. Well, I, but, I got all my cues. I got all my cues from hip hop beefs. Yeah. Probably you know, the same. When I, when I got into a band that, you know, <clears throat> was doing something. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just thinking like, I, I want to, I want to state, I, what I want to state is that I don't want to have any more beefs, but then I think yeah. back on some of the bands or some of the musicians or, or some of the people in the music biz who have um, gone over beyond disrespecting us. And I just can't shake it. Well, it's hard to, you know, I'm like willing to shake Robin, but, but Robin black, but that's fine. But there's other ones like there's other one. And I just can't shake it. I can't, I cannot shake it. Uh, yeah. My, most of my beefs in retrospect were with people that <clears throat> I really probably shouldn't have beef with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in most cases I've kind of found them to be really nice people in the end, or, you know, even when they weren't necessarily nice people, there's no reason for me to have a beef with them. You know, you know, I found even times I've talked shit on the internet in general. I've just been like, why did I do that? Like, it's, never yeah, kind of, same. you know, but a lot of times that's just born out of like, you know, my own insecurities of that. Point, well, also you know? I, 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 you know, the problem is if you have something funny, cause like, again, I kind of tr- try to be funny all the time. Right. And so, you know, if you have something funny that uses someone who doesn't really deserve it as the butt of the joke, like, a lot of time I'll still do it because I just feel like I'm not doing it from a place of dislike. I made a joke about Dave Grohl on Twitter where I was like, I mean, you know, it's, it's like, you know, did I tell you, can I tell you the joke? Uh, is it going to be something I have to edit out? <laughs> uh, you tell me, I'll tell you. And then you can, <laughs> well, I guess I'll know after I hear it. Yeah. I said, the best Nirvana cover was when they threw a blanket over Dave Roll's acoustic <laughs> guitar. I uh, might just edit out for your own benefit on that one. I like that, Jeff. That's really funny. And because uh, uh, he couldn't, or like the best Nirvana cover was like when they hid his, his guitar. <laughs> Cold's guitar, and I thought it was. Wait, just... why is Nirvana doing a cover? Like, you mean when they cover Vaseline's? No, it's a wordplay. You see, they're covering up the guitar. It's not a. I song. don't know. I think I think Dave still got you on that one. Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like I'm just like okay. Well, everybody knows that Dave Grohl has had a career. People liked that song Marigold, so I think he'll. It's just funny to do this joke. But then, you know, you can't please everybody, and you know. Are too scared. You both want to go on. No, that. I don't think it comes out of fear both, at this point. I was like, is this going to be go. a joke that's really funny that I have you to pretend not you, to be funny politically? You but I think be, this one I can honestly no, say I didn't I'll, I'll share the tweet with you. You'll like it. But, I don't um, know if I will like it on social media. I don't know, man. You know, I I get a lot of flack from my sense of humor, but I got a lot of <laughs> emails telling me how much they love what I'm doing. And I'm not going to say I have an email from Dave Grohl, giving, vetting, giving, not just giving me props about the joke, but telling me to tell it on podcasts. And I'm not going to say I have that email, but I'm not going to <laughs> He has turned down this podcast uh, in real I know him in real life, you know, and he has turned down this podcast before. 
So I'm not protecting myself politically when I tell you this, Nick, but um, I, I don't know if I'm going to like that joke on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you something else. <laughs> I love you, Nick, too. I didn't mean that to be disrespectful on that one because I do love you. We don't want to start beef, do we? No, I don't want to start a beef with you. I don't want I don't want you reforming Team Red Combo just to write, you know. Damien. Something. Damien you know. do dish. <laughs> <laughs> Two words for Damien. Suck it. <laughs> Two words for Damien. Uh, you call me a poser for not liking wrestling back then. <laughs> Where were you in 98 when wrestling was so fucking yeah. great? Did you see? I'm giving you lyrics up. here. Are you writing this shit down? <laughs> I, I put up, uh, uh, someone sent me a picture of, I can't, I, oh yeah, it was a Killer Elite show. And I'm wearing like the sickest WWF attitude uh, shirt. I'm wearing a New Age Outlaws down wear down here uh, t-shirt. <laughs> It was it was honestly so now that I think about the countdown to oblivion comparison, seeing you in Killer Elite was the same sort of vibe. It was like, why is Nick in this band? Because you were so sick on stage <laughs> with Killer Elite. But I was just like, Oh, I wish this was Teen Crud. <laughs> no, just on uh, Killer Elite too, because I do love Killer Elite. Like, but I just hold Teen Crud in such high regard. I like that. That now that's politics. Now that's needless politics. I, I I have the killer elite. I have two versions of the seven inch sitting right beside. Wow, me. that's seven wild, man. That's cool. I, I have the full color sleeve and the one that came in the silk screen bag that cost me like thirteen dollars at Rotate back then. Bummer. Because I, I I guarantee you I, that was the the cost on it was fucking probably insane. Well, you know, consignment is a dirty game. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, now we're at like hour three of our conversation. <laughs> At two o'clock, I got to interview uh, uh, the guy who was LC'd on True Blood, but I don't have anything till that. I probably should go soon, but uh... we could do a part two, part three. <laughs> this is like episode 303. I want this, 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 this could be definitely a whole month of content if we keep trying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, guys. Thank you for coming on. Thank you oh, for having it's, us. It's That's a very fun. abrupt ending, but I get it. Well, I we don't have to go. Like no, that. no, I don't. I, no, we, I just wanted to give you, uh, you know, if you got such shit to do, you know, you're the one trying to get out of it. You're like, I got to go. I got to go. Just hunched over, elite practice. I'm just hunched over a bed with, you know, we don't have like, I don't have like a proper space. And I, you know, when we do these 930, 9 o'clock appointments, it's like, I'm not going to be in a great state, you know, right beforehand or have done very much useful. I don't have... Duties. I, to, I tweeted today, this morning at six thirty in the morning, Nick. I know. I bet you did. I've been, up. Probably, I've been up. You probably went to bed at, at six. <laughs> slept twelve hours. No, I went yeah. to bed at eleven. Oh yeah, you're one of these people who's like, I get six hours sleep every night. No. <laughs> well, every I night, six. I hours wish I got more. Rollins life. Henry Rollins no. life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wish I got more. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I have, um, it's amazing, like touring and thinking of the uh, fatigue, you know, and the sleep schedule and all of that stuff, you know, because it's been a while since I've been on like a proper tour. And I just remember in Brutal Nights, like the idea that, okay, so you're going to do the show. And in my case, unfortunately, you know, we were just like, like eight times out of 10, I'd be like drinking, and you know, carousing on to some extent. 
And then you make, make it sound like Motley Crue back then. What are you doing <laughs> on these tours? I mean, you know, like you have <laughs> like, fun. You're bored. It's like it's not like it's not Motley up tour Crue. is definitely we're bored, but I don't know if we settle it the same way. Well, yeah, you guys hung on to your like the 15, you know, like just like being chill and kind of fighting and, you know, but like between like our, our personality dynamic was just that like, it kind of is the singer thing where it's just, you know, someone might buy you a drink and like all this stuff. And, and uh, cause we weren't like a hardcore, hardcore band. We were like in the mix in between. So you'd get these like super Zeke fan guys, you know, who'd be like, mm -hmm. your band's cool. Anti scene's cool. You're cool. You know? And uh, then we'd get hate on the terminal boredom board, which I've never gotten over. Shout out to Terminal Boredom. I'm sure there's some Terminal Boredom adjacent listeners here. I, I don't know anything what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I do, Nick. I get it, but I think it's awesome. I like that Nine Shocks Terror has a connection to the homeless stupids. Yeah, it's the singer. Yeah. Lean Steve. Yeah. Just that was his AOL address, email address. <laughs> Lean Steve something at AOL.com. I'll tell you something. Um, but, but yeah, like, uh, so, so then you go up to your place to sleep. We, you know, floors and stuff in the U.S. Are you maybe. actually describing this for me and Damien? <laughs> well, no. Like we've and, never experienced this? And the, or like, is this for the podcast? Well, how do you guys like that? Like, 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 and then you, you wake up at like, you know, eight, you start driving. You're just can't really fall asleep in there and then you have to perform like how did this become the norm you got you know we should all be getting massages teleported like the first band should have just worked on inventing a teleporter you know <laughs> while they were doing their music so that we well, would thanks for having us on damien <laughs> i mean this has been great <laughs> I know Damien was trying to wrap it up like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> no, I, I only wanted to wrap it up because Nick's wanted to wrap it up, you know? Oh. Yeah, that's why I went on, you know, a little <laughs> oh. bit longer. Yeah, I wanted to change the topic to the touring. But, no, I, I do get what you're saying. Like, it's like when you're on the long, lonesome highway east of Omaha and you can listen to the engine moaning one note song. You yeah. think about that woman yeah. or that girl you knew the night before. The night before. But your and, thoughts be a wandering. They, yeah, they like always the great, do. like the great metal. You've been riding song. sixteen hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the, and Ginger Lynn is hooking, you know. And then, did uh, you, did you just say, uh, "Turn the page" was by Metallica? Yeah, it's the the best Metallica songs are in order: "Whiskey in the Jar," <laughs> um, "Jarro," uh, uh, what's what's the name of that? Uh, Here I am. <laughs> turn the page here i am turn the page <laughs> the, the um, discharge cover yeah what's that one that they do everything, last everything last on kill em all is a is a cover except for that one song um, <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> uh no isn't there a cover on on um kill em all that's really amazing one of their it's there's not two dark. isn't there there's two yeah what are they um blitzkrieg uh, and uh -huh. am i evil Am I evil's on Kill 'em All? I don't remember that. 
reissue that I have, I guess. Okay. So Blitzkrieg is one of their best originals. Am I Evil is one of their best originals. How long can I take this joke further? I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm in though. I'm in. Yeah, Are you? you know, yeah. Okay. I one, get of the best, uh, one of the best DOA songs. <laughs> communication breakdown got, like, both those covers are not i'm like sitting here thinking like i'm not the biggest metallic fan no both those covers are only on the 1988 re-release of kill em all not the original yeah that's the one i i got yeah which with yeah, and they do the diamond head cover and then the diamond head cover yeah. yeah yeah but no but yeah. that's an original by metallica oh we're going uh, back to the bit <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah, uh, I don't even know how we how we got. I yeah, feel I feel bad for you because we should be going yes and Nick. You're ready. You're waiting for Danko and I to go yes and, and here we're giving you nothing. I'll tell you, I do this stuff with comedians all the time, and I am never yes anding them properly. <laughs> I'm always like stepping on them when they talk, and it's just I don't understand my rhythm. It's bad. I should be thrown in a pit. No, you shouldn't. No, the mosh pit. The mosh pit. You should, yes, definitely. We should all get back to moshing one day. I miss doing the door for the Not Dead Yet shows. That was fun. That saved my life in 2018, 2019. Return to punk. Yeah, you came back in a big way. I came back in a big way. You wanted to get in to watch Waxahachi? You got to get past me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see terror? Tough luck, buddy, unless you got 20 bucks. Pain. What was it? What was the name of that band? Limprist. You want to see Limprist? Sorry, sold out. Sold out. Sold out. That show would be packed. You know, yeah. Did you, do, did you do the tour, the door at Terror when they played the Rock Pile? No, no. I I only started doing the door for uh, the shows in like 2018. So I did it as part of Not Dead Yet when they played. I think it was Terror. They played uh, Hard Luck part of not dead yet i don't know maybe yeah i i i realize now that having three kids means that i don't do any like my life is basically this podcast you know catching up on shit that i should have done two weeks ago right and and just like you know making lunches and making dinner that's nice that's decent life it's a decent life it definitely is i'm very happy with it right now but it certainly is uh i re I, I realize that i have not <laughs> I've not gotten out of the house much. Yeah, I mean, I do have a. I am very thankful that I um, had those shows to see. Got to see those shows, and like you know, mm -hmm. with the pandemic, there is a lot of things. Uh, I'm I'm really glad it happened right before this because it just would have been. You know, it's just sad to think that there's so many people who are just like not able to do stuff. It's sad to think the punk is paused. Yeah, you know. Um, no, it's also weird to watch like indie wrestling not be paused. At the same yeah, time. you were talking about that. That yeah. wrestling thing is it's very wild. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very bizarre to watch it happen, kind of unfold the twofold yeah. thing. But I, I definitely, yeah, like it, it is. It is. Um, you never regret uh, going to a show, even the shows that suck. Ultimately, you do not regret going to those ones. Like some of my favorite shows were the shows that sucked. I think my, some of my favorite shows I've ever been to were some of the shows at the time where I'm like, this is the worst show I've ever been to. <laughs> I can just look back on them now and I'm like, oh my God, I went to that. That's so wild. I saw, I saw some wild shit. 
Like I saw some really weird, wild bands over the years. I saw the well, Bacon Brothers. I saw you saw the Bacon Brothers. Wow. I, saw, I saw uh Broken Side. Odd. I saw Broken Side. I saw I went to so much <laughs> shit just that I was like, oh, this is I'm not gonna enjoy this. And then I went to the show and I'm like, oh, this is not my thing. But then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I went to that. Well, you know, this is a good reason for people to do um, the door. And this is, if they can, effort for promoters and also a good reason to um, be a music journalist. I hate to say it, but it's like, maybe it's like, there are all these bands. I, I like, I've seen Mel C live, you know? Not only does that <laughs> job not exist anymore, Nick, that magazine does not exist anymore. No, but, but, you know, it's, it, it is sad to think. And like, and then the last time I got assigned a review, it totally blew up in my face. It was just like something where I, I realized, wow, because of social media, like don't tag people when you review them. Like don't. I remember Danzig banning uh, Matt Wesley from coming to his show because he gave him a bad review of his new record in iMagazine. <laughs> Which something, is wild yeah. to me. Like, could you imagine, I guess that was a different time though, where you'd first thing you, you know, and I, I kind of toured towards the end of this. So I did experience a little bit, but where you roll into town and the first thing you do is pick up the weekly and uh, you know, see if your show's getting written up. Like, yeah. written up here and then you're like oh shit we are and then seeing what they write so <laughs> maybe that's how danzig found out about it but it, to me it was just so amazing and i remember matt wesley then wrote an article for i about being banned from the danzig show yeah uh, but he was actually banned for yeah his- i mean even that is such a stunt to pull that i almost like appreciate it you know like you're banned from a show like that's hilarious you know like it's ridiculous but it's yeah it, it, at least you're not getting you know there's not going to be like a thousand you know like three like a bunch of people being like you suck you know i prefer to stop the show in the middle and tell that person to get out in front of have, everyone have you done that <laughs> no <laughs> i've made people leave i made people leave fucked up shows before 100 percent. oh really oh god yeah like i've walked oh i've i've i remember one european tour where it happened like at least a half a dozen times but if you act like an asshole at a fucked up show, I will walk you out the door. Like personally, you know, I won't, I won't call security to do it. You know, if, if you're bigger than me, ultimately probably security will get involved, yeah. but I will walk you out, you know, and if, depending it. on what you do, I'll give you your money back. But if, if, if like, if it's on some like real bullshit thing, no, you're not getting your money back, but get the fuck out. Like, no, there's no, there's certainly no, like, yeah, like, you know, yeah, I, I just, yeah, like I, I couldn't imagine getting to a point like that's why i couldn't imagine playing a show with social distancing restrictions like not having that kind of like you know kind of like not authority but just having that kind of like interaction with the crowd where good and bad you're able to kind of like get involved with stuff that's going on and it's blown up in my face right like one time we tried to make some people leave and they beat the shit out of me like what when did that happen in liverpool I told on the, I've told the story on the show before, I think a couple times, but I got stomped the fuck out during the middle of a festival. When? In Liverpool. Three years ago now, four years ago. Well, that's not long ago. What does it feel like? That? Was that the first time you'd been stomped out? I had been in fights before, you know, um, but I, I had never been gang attacked like that uh, before that moment. But it was, uh, we, we were playing this show. This fight kind of broke out in the crowd. 
um i'm not even a fight like i see this group of guys fucking with this couple in the crowd so i i hopped off stage and i went into the crowd and i was like we're not playing for you get the fuck out of here and uh they were like whoa, 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 whoa. and then so we started human one this is like a big festival right but the flaming lips are playing on the main stage and we're playing on the the sort of side stage second stage of this type thing in liverpool um and so they kind of get escorted out you know by me us wall human walling them out and then one of these guys broke around our our phalanx and uh knocked the cup punched the guy and the girl in the face you know so i did what i all i knew what to do which is to throw a spear like you know wwe edge style you know so i i speared the guy okay into a security railing and the security railing came down and i just get on top of him and I just, I like, I'm, you know, I'm a big person. So I I'm on top of them at this point, another guy comes running over and kicks me. And so I'm trying to fight this dude. And then it's just like four or five other people. So I just cover up. I'm just kind of covered up for, um, you know, um, I'd say it's about a good two minutes of them trying to stomp me out. Luckily I didn't lose, lose consciousness. I think, and I, my, I had boot prints on my head and like, I was, I was, Jesus Christ. if I had lost consciousness, I'm sure I would have been really fucked up, but you know, I didn't. And I, you know, we got up, we finished the set, Jesus. went to the ambulance and, and, you know, got checked out. Lads, cool it. It was, it was fucking gnarly. It was, you know, so it does it's blow horrible. up in your face sometimes, you know, well, but the, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's cool. I mean, you know, it sucks, but you uh, you walk it like you talk it. I guess you 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 try to you know you police your own shows. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's not to say that stuff I'm sure happens that I don't see. You know, because like you right. you can't see everything, but at the same time, like I think that's like the thing you've got to carry over from punk on a, on a certain way. You know, on a yeah. certain level at yeah. least. You gotta yeah, like, not be afraid. You've got the mic. You know, you have to say something. Yeah, like exactly. Or you just gotta like, you know, like if people are gonna be going, you know, crazy at a show, it's kind of like your job as the front person to kind of right. police that mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. to to know yeah. what's going. On. That's absolutely true. I mean, there was a couple. There was one time I remember, especially we were opening. We were opening. And there was one guy in the crowd who just, I don't know what I did to him, but he just wanted to fight me. Mm. And I I didn't know if it was a joke or not, but in the end I realized, no, this guy's serious because I had been, he had been wanting to fight me. And I'm like, Oh really? You want to fight me while we were playing? And then (laughs) um, at the end, one of the security guards goes, goes up to me and goes, if that guy comes anywhere near you, you know, we got your back. So that was, it never escalated. So. Yeah, it, it, that was about the closest it's ever gotten. That's, yeah, no, it definitely. I don't think I ever had a proper brawl in, in our bands, but we were, yeah. we were very silly. And I, you know, I don't think like mosh pits were necessarily safe at every show, but like most of the time, if I was addressing a crowd member, it's because they were doing like that thing they did to Rollins, like where they were just like slapping me or something, like while they were getting into the music. And I'm just like, what are you fucking doing? Like, like, do you understand that like liking a band and being into their music, even if you're dancing aggressively, doesn't mean you're like trying to stop the show by like punching the singer or in a lot of cases, more than once pour, pour, pouring a garbage can over the drummer, which happened not once, but twice. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, there was the show where it, it horrible fest in Cleveland at the tower where they were like literally throwing firecrackers at us while we were performing, but like oh, into the band. I've got, I've had, you know, we've had stuff thrown at us as well. Sure. Yeah. I guess that's just actually, happens. no, there was one time. Oh, I, t- yeah, I, I can't remember half the stuff, but we were in Boston and we were opening and there's two guys who just kept yelling through the set and we suck and blah, blah, blah. And I was going through something very personal in my personal life and I was going to take it out on them. And after the show, I jumped off stage. I didn't go backstage. I jumped off stage and I was ready to, I wanted to fight him. And uh, JC yelled at me going, what the fuck are you doing? And it just kind of was like a slap in the face almost. And I turned around and I just walked walk backstage and then after i saw them outside of the club behind the club in the in the alley and i just went up to them and i go you two what's your problem and they cowered luckily i mean i didn't get stomped on like damien but they cowered Mm -hmm. and i confronted them and i just said why why were you doing that and so yeah that was almost a that was a a near fight yeah it was about as (laughs) But fuck those guys, man. But I, you know, whatever. That's that on the a, record. That's an 05. Um, yeah. I no, really I, should go actually now. Okay. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, this has been amazing. Thank you both for coming on. And of course, I'll plug both your respective podcasts. You're the, the best. The oh, I also re-released my album. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm here all week. Uh, my first album of comedy is out on Bandcamp. We put it yeah, I have a game vinyl game. copy of it, Nick, where you signed it and then you 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 scribbled over it. it my the cover oh. is ruined. Oh you ruined God. the co- you ruined my cover of your album. Well, I can get you another copy and I'll re-sign it and make it cleaner. But um, it's not <laughs> just heard, I'm here. I heard stories we... about Jonathan Richmond doing that too, crossing his face <laughs> off certain photos when you give him picture sleeves to sign. But I uh, I re-released the album just on Bandcamp. Um, but, uh, there is an extra track and I put a bunch of media on it too. And like, uh, uh, but the extra track is from 2020, March 3rd, 2020. So you can kind of hear my first album and then like a eight, eight or nine minute set from, from this year. So yeah, just something you can check out. And check it out. You should shall, Uh, you shall, or you should. Whatever. Check out check out Nick's comedy record. Also check out Nick Flanagan's podcast. And also check out Danko Jones podcast and his amazing uh experimental noise record, I guess is the best way to describe it. But it's it's way more listenable than that would imply. Throat funeral, which he put out this year. And also check out Danko Jones's band as well. If you've not checked out Danko Jones and the track Move On off their Garage Days record, you are missing out on one of the greatest Canadian punk songs ever. And Nick was in T-Grit Combo, one of the best punk bands ever. 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 And uh, we got we got some more to come with that thing. We'll get, we'll get that in a second. Okay, but the final guest here on episode 300 is, is someone who has been a driving force in this podcast since the very beginning, a key motivator for me, and a, a key sounding board for me as well. And that person is Chris O'Toole. Chris ha- has hosted Footnotes. Uh, he's the co-host of Footnotes, I should say, 
since it began, and he will continue to co-host Footnotes until he gets sick of me. And you can hear Footnotes over there at patreon.com slash turnedoutapunk. And uh, it's just us dissecting these episodes. So what better way to end this off than by having Chris come on here and just dissecting Turned Out a Punk in general. All right, Chris, as I was just saying to you, this wouldn't be episode 300 without my man and uh, everyone's everyone's friend, Chris O'Toole, <laughs> as I like to say. Uh, thank you, Chris, for coming on. And I, and I, you know, we were talking about this a, a second ago, but you and me are kind of the, uh, you know, some of the few people that have listened to every single one of these episodes and in some cases taken you know, in most cases, actually the vast majority of cases taken notes on them and dissected them. Uh, and so I felt what better person to kind of ha- come on here and, and talk with me about some of the, uh, the standout kind of ones from uh, the, uh, the whole archive. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I can confirm that that is true. Yes. That I've listened to all of them up to this point and, uh, yeah, multiple times, a lot of them as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, the um, uh, I thought we kind of discussed. So I I picked out ten from the pile. Okay. Of the very large pile at this point, um, that I thought maybe uh, listeners who at least hopped on say within the last year might not have been aware of um, some that are sort of. Uh, some that are kind of will be expected and then some that I don't think really come up as much, um, things of that nature. So I don't know how you want to do this or what you'd like to, to focus on first, or if you want to go over with me, if you have some that you wanted to pick out or what do you want to do here, sir? Well, I'm going to go off your list, but before we do, did you like knowing me and the lack of dedication to projects that seem to happen in my life? Do you ever think that 300 would happen for this thing? Um, I know why you're saying what you're saying, being completely truthful. And because you just put me on the spot for listeners who don't <laughs> to break the fourth wall, I was not privy that that question was going to come up. Um, not, not really. Like, I'm not really surprised to be honest. No. Um, because when I first started listening to it, to me, it was very clear that it was something that could last, you know, in terms of like the, the general premise of the show works in the sense that, Obviously, your interest is very high in this, and it's just a matter of getting the guests, essentially. And so the only ever period where I maybe thought, the only time I ever thought maybe it wouldn't go this long was when it seemed like there was dry spells. Knowing you personally, I would talk to you about this, like dry spells of like when you weren't sure what guests were coming up or something of that nature. But yeah. not for interest-wise. I thought for sure there's, you know, there's still, you could go a thousand easy. I think Tristan coming on board uh, was like a real game changer in the last few years where it took a lot of that burden off me of trying to figure out who to have come on each and every week. And, and now Tristan does it. So yeah, the show changed at that point. Cause yeah, you would be hearing, I'm like, who can I call Chris? Like, who, who can I have on the show that we know? At this yeah. Point? There was, there was a few stretches in time early on where that seemed to be the case. But again, I mean, the luxury that, obviously you have and uh, you know not only just from doing the show but from being a touring musician in a band like you've already had a lot of interactions with a lot of different people so there's a bit of an in there obviously but 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, I am serious in saying though, I, I never really questioned the idea that it could be a long running thing though. Well, I appreciate you having faith in me where I didn't have faith in myself, but let's go, uh, let's go back to, uh, the list. Where do you want right. to start? I guess from 10. Yeah, I'm going to start early. My list kind of admittedly, I'm going to sort of bury the lead, I guess, is my list doesn't go past, um, the last hundred and it's not because i don't want to but it's because i tried to keep it to 10 okay and so it's difficult to you know there's a lot I, I could easily have made a list of 30 but it's just way too much time for this this segment so anyway i'm starting off early early on um with episode six which is an episode that gets brought up um semi-frequently uh and it's Stephen mcdonald and it's probably to this day I'm trying to think now as I say this, but I believe I'm, I'm accurate in saying it's probably still top three, if not the top um, most entertaining interview on the whole of the show to this point. Yeah, no, I think he is, uh, you know, like it, as, as we say on that episode, like his life should be a movie because yeah. no one like, like the kid punk rock star, like he was here and there's been a few like, he was the most obviously successful of all of them. Like we're not really talking about uh, old skull in the same regard. Or, <laughs> yes. Of you course. know, like you know, these other bands that had like mad society, I think is another band that had like a, a young kid. Or as, like, you know, even, even, you know, uh, like a Harley Flanagan or something, which equally has a compelling life, but yeah. Yeah. Harley Flanagan definitely has a compelling life too, but like Steve's life is, is compelling in like a, a different sort of way that here he is you know, in, in like a superstar rock band at the time he's like 11. And then mm. by the time he's 12 in the episode, he details anyway, you should, yes, that episode a hundred percent. We recorded that episode twice. Uh, first time we recorded <laughs> it, we're in, we're in the hotel room at vice. What was that? Vice 20 vice 20. I think it was the party. And they had this huge show across um, set up in New York where we were going to go down there. And we had this, this incredible band that they put together for us. Uh, and we were going to do a hardcore medley. And so we came back from practice one night uh, after smoking some pot and recorded this incredible episode where he just blew my mind with story after story. And then he's like, let's go and smoke another joint. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't plug my computer in and it died and we lost the whole episode. <laughs> That's the first of maybe four epic losses that I've had on this show. But he was, he was great. He's like, okay, we'll do it again tomorrow. And we did it again the next night. That's great. Yeah. And it's almost the exact same. He left out a couple of details as far as I remember on, on maybe the last Courtney love story and things like that, but it's pretty much the exact same episode. And it's, yeah, one of the one of the greatest hangs ever. One of the coolest people ever, you know, like member of the Melvins, member of Red Cross still and just yeah, like the, the coolest the coolest person in the room. I think that also having him on the show and having Gerard too on the show, I think early on as well made made it like kind of like all right for for people like John Spencer and and those types of people to be on the show cuz he's like he's like cool to them. Yes, agreed. And uh, it's to, if, if you don't mind me doing the segue, it's funny you just said that because the, the next on my list is number 33, the episode John Spencer, coincidentally. Really? That's a, that is a surprising one. I remember that one. I got to go back and re-listen to that one. I remember that one at the time 
not going as smoothly as I would have liked. And I think if I go back and look, you know, Colin Brunton, I didn't really know either, but like for the most part, I'd had people that I was like friends with already on. Uh And he was one of the first people that I didn't really know. Like it was kind of like set up like, Oh, I just want to interview John Spencer. And uh, yeah, I got to go back and realize we did it at my brother's apartment. And uh, Jay was definitely the most awkward. But I remember the John Spencer one. <laughs> well, I will say, like, yeah, I, I do think you're not off. Again, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I remember being very pleased. Apart from just being a fan of, of John Spencer's work, um, I think it. what I liked is, especially in hindsight, it's, it's in person, um, which I think is cool. And it doesn't, it, it, listening to it, it's, it's, it's interesting from a listening perspective because, again, like you said, you're not necessarily pals. So you're, it does, it's not like a, a contentious episode by any means, but it's very, um, I don't know, maybe I just haven't seeked out enough interviews with him or whatever, but I found it very interesting. It's brief, it's interesting, mm-hmm. and it has enough info, and I think it's, you are um, having to maybe freestyle a little differently than a lot of other interviews you did, and I think it just works for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, there's definitely, I remember, uh, at one point bringing up Johan Kugelberg to him and he's like, Oh, you like that guy? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I get, yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, but that's exactly right. And it's, it's, you know, again, uh, you know, these are guests whose, you know, the weight of their work I feel to be important, but also I feel the interviews themselves perhaps yield things that are interesting. Like, of course, Steve McDonald's has just a ton of sensational things in it. John Spencer's less so, but it's very interesting nonetheless. And again, I think it just works in the, um, you know, within the list of all the people you've had, it's just a really interesting get that early on. No, he was definitely, um, you know, very cool to come on the show. And, and, you know, once again, as you say, like it's before I really figured out what I was doing in any sort of real way. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, yeah, I got to go back and listen. I'd love to do a part two with them at some point because that's yeah, someone who sure. there's just so much more to talk about and like stuff mm-hmm. that got left out there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you'd be up for it. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe one day. I I, th- I feel like if I was going to go and pick like a run of, of episodes uh, that just like I look back upon like really fondly, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's starting right around... Um, you know, right around there, but like I certainly a little bit later, like 40, 42 with Fat Mike to, you know, like 40, I don't know, 49 with Jason. Yeah, you're uh, when I looked at the list earlier, you start to really get in your stride around then, I feel like. Yeah, like it felt like at that point, like those were just so many, so many fun conversations and so many like good memories. That's the thing about this also is like, we're talking about this a little bit off air, but like I can, I remember all these interviews, like where I was when Uh they happened, especially the ones where I was doing them in person. Now that I'm doing them all at my house, it's the memories aren't quite as vivid, but um, you know, when I was traveling around doing the podcast in person, like, Oh, some of my, you know, favorite memories, you know, for sure. We'll get to it later on, but like some of my favorite memories ever, ever in my life are when, when you and me start doing stuff with the podcast a little bit later on. <laughs> yes. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So next on my list, which is the third selection, is episode 37 with Michael Alago. Yes. Another another heavy, heavy hitter. Um, 
very interesting stories within it. And of course, Michael himself, just a very charismatic guy. And uh, I think the interview between you two is great. I think you have great chemistry also. It's just, uh, yeah, great, great one. He was so cool. You know, like meeting him was just, uh, he came up to me at a fucked up show. And uh, I was just like, holy fuck, you're the coolest person ever. And then (laughs) having him on the show and just like peeling back these layers, like layer after layer of this guy being like this, this sort of like agent of, of culture in New York and just popping up in different places. And yeah, his stories, you know, like someone who has like stories for days and, and stories that he told me off air that, put like you know we're just mind-blowing mind like the stories just did not stop that day yeah we walked all around new york that day and hang hung out and yeah one of my favorite people like just certainly someone that you know getting to talk to him on the show like this like you know i'm glad i had these kind of forums to have these conversations with people because you know meeting these people it's it's just not socially acceptable to punish them in the way i want to Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, the uh anyway, I think that's great. And I think if you know, certainly I think longtime listeners or deep head listeners will know why he's on the list, but it's uh for those who aren't really, it's a great one. Yeah, a lot of good stories, dead boy stories and like mm-hmm. yeah, and he also he's one of those people that you can connect a lot of dots through him. Like that's the other thing I love about you know, the is thinking back on these episodes is that all these episodes connect up in some way and all these people are connected to one another uh, through different people. And Michael's one of those people that just connects a lot of these people himself, you know, and like just other random people that I know in my life, like he signed Chris Jericho to his first record contract. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Like he just is, he's, you know, been involved in so much weird shit. Yeah. That's cool. So on to the next, if you don't mind, yep. um, switching gears a little, but this is great for a different reason. This is when we start to get, for me anyway, into sort of the underbelly um, stories or what have you. Um, and it's funny because all these are the first 50, but number 50 episode, Joey Cape from Lagwagon. Um, for two reasons, I put this on the list. It has one of my favorite Gigi Allen stories, which is a trend as the show goes on. Um, of people saying different Gigi Allen stories that are unfamiliar to a lot of people, I would assume. Not that Gigi Allen is, but these stories that aren't personal told. run-ins with Gigi Allen. Exactly. Per, you know, yeah, the interactions with them. Yeah, I find that you know, like Ian McKay and Gigi Allen are these two figures that seem to loom large throughout the history of punk rock. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's great for that reason. And also, Joey, of course, is a member of Lagwagon and. Uh, I, you know, I like Lagwagon just fine, but I just never expected, you know, a member of Lagwagon's episode to like, to have the impact <laughs> that it did upon listening. And I was very floored and it's, it's a great one. I, if I remember too, it's fairly brief as well. Yeah. It's a half hour. We recorded it live at the horseshoe and we were recording it in between opening acts and didn't have a lot of time. And he's someone I got to have back on. Cause I've seen him a couple of times since then. And it's always like, what up man like great to see you like and i know like run into him for years before that and just never we never talked but now you know we broke the ice so i yeah i gotta have him back on like that's yeah. that's the other thing is it's such a weird thing to kind of 
kind of be doing this show and having it have one direction in your mind and then just having it go a completely different way just by the nature of you know doing a, a weekly podcast but like i much more envisioned you know having these part twos with these people um but here we are five years in and joey cape has not been back for a part two mm-hmm. um but he needs to be but it's just because there's so many more people out there that i want to talk to not more but just that are like i haven't talked to you yet and i feel like okay well i i don't know it's just it's it's difficult to kind of like I want to, I like, I say this all the time, but this thing could happen every day. Like I could be talking to people every single fucking day. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, I don't think the world needs that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. But. I know, I know you, Chris would probably give up on listening to every single episode at that point, but uh, you know, there, I could do it. <laughs> there is, there is uh, enough people out there to talk about this thing. Tonight. Yes, for sure. But yeah, so that one uh, as well. Um, the next one, again, which is three episodes later, <laughs> is Brian Venable. Is that how you say it? Venable or is it Venable? Yeah. Venable. Venable, yeah. And uh, a member, again, another a couple reasons why, and Damien full well knows, but for listeners who don't want to, it's another one of our, um, you know, sort of deep head obsessions um, with Damien and I, which is, um, sort of the hardline scene and the bizarre scene of uh, straight edge in the nineties. And uh, yeah, his episode is like absolutely uh, classic with descriptions yeah. of that scene, which again is not something I ever would have anticipated um, because he's more known now as a member of Lucero, I believe it is. Yeah. No, Lucero's his band and Lucero's huge, right? Like how mm-hmm. this episode came about. Cause I got an email to the email address early on when I was still like checking um, the emails and kind of just going off the, uh, before, you know, I started getting a lot of emails uh, and Tristan started doing it, but um, you know, and I got an email from a guy that was like, Hey, uh, uh, Brian from Lucero used to, uh, or sang backups on the raid record. I think, you know, I think they said was a member of raid Mm -hmm. in the email. And so uh, Brian, uh schwartz who's my manager and also lucero's manager i I hit him up immediately and i'm like yo is this thing fucking true like this is if this is true you got to put me in touch with this dude and then (laughs) brian schwartz my manager sends me a text back and it's just a uh brian from lucero's uh calf tattoo which is just the two cross judge hammers and he's like (laughs) yeah he says he sang in the raid crew and was part of uh saying on the raid record and was part of their crew wow I'm like holy fuck i gotta interview him and he's like okay well he's coming through town in a couple weeks and uh yeah i'll set it up and then going down there and having like like just being like holy fuck like where is this thing gonna go like what's this guy gonna be like how open is he gonna be about talking about this stuff uh-huh. like how deep does he go like did he leave this thing you know and, and just yeah you know, turn his back on stuff, you know, like, we're, we're like, you know, I had no idea what it was going to be like. And then going in, first of all, Brian's cool as shit. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, like, yeah, the raid stories are ridiculous. But third, like, he's just like, not only is he still like involved in punk, but that might also be one of the, no, that's not true. The, 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 uh, the, the episode with Tony Urba is definitely an error, but I was like, that's one of the early episodes with like heavy smack talk. Uh, yeah that and that's right i you know what's funny even me saying that i forgot 
I know what you're saying now, but I had forgotten about that until this this very moment. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. It does have that. He's very very candid in it, which again is I think from a, a you know a listener standpoint of someone who again didn't doesn't know a lot even to this day about Lucero or certainly his involvement in all of the stuff that comes up in the episode. It was very uh, interesting to hear. Yeah. And then right after Ryan uh, Panagos, uh, Marvel Comics, Agent M is now mm-hmm. the VP of Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. So, so come on, turn out a punk. You know, you become part of the, a power player in the entertainment industry. It just, <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. If you wanted any more. No, no worries. I just think that's, so that's my number five, number six. That's our episode. only hardline person we've had on, by the way, so far. So yes, you know, hopefully we, we get more. I'm working on it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so episode six on my list of 10 is episode 114. And it is the live in Philadelphia episode of which we did on our tour, your tour that I was on, I guess I should say. Yeah, but, it was our tour. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. it was our tour. It was, uh, yeah, one of the best road trips of my fucking life. I had so great. much fun doing it. Um, every day we'd wake up and just like nerd out about punk all day and yeah uh, yeah like we were booking on the fly and uh, you know luckily friends came through and helped us put stuff together but yeah that was a fun one yeah the philly one i just think like one we we speak about that trip a lot um you know so listeners obviously know of that i would assume uh and if not even that just that's a great cross-section of guests with wild stories um and some of which you don't really hear a lot from so i think it's uh I just think it's a great episode, even just for the live one, just for the the people that are on it. Yeah, no, that one is is is, is especially. We had good mixes, I think, every single night of mm-hmm. of, of people. Yep. Uh, but that night in particular, we had a a potent blend of Philadelphia punk rock celebrities and Philly yep. boy Roy called in. Exactly right. It, it checks so many boxes. That's why I had to shout that one out. Yeah. Um, the next one is another classic, but for a completely different reason. And someone I feel like, although they are a legend uh, without question, I feel like they're almost low key, which to maybe some people is going to seem absurd based on the name I'm about to say, but, um, and I've still yet to read his book, but he came on around the time when it was released, but episode 135, Roger Murray, of yeah. the uh, infamous agnostic front and many other projects. But I just think like he is one of these people who for me is, is like becoming, I mean, he's already arguably already is, but he's becoming like a, almost like this really, um, I don't know, like an elder statesman. That's very, very like, he would not have been the person that like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, even 20 years ago that I said, like, this will be the guy in 20 years that I think is going to be the greatest example of like, you know, a, a representative of like early eighties, New York or late seventies, New York or whatever you want to say. And I think he's done a really good job of, um, you know, talking about his life in a way that doesn't come off grandiose and doesn't, I don't know. He just, he seems to be very himself without being very try hard or any of that nonsense. Yeah. Like he was, you know, um, he's someone that obviously you have preconceived notions with growing up as a fan of hardcore, just because mm-hmm. he's a legend, like you said. And yeah, like talking to him and, you know, as you're saying his presence on social media, just like realizing like, Oh, this dude's like, just like a, a hardcore head. 
mm-hmm. and like he collects records and goes deep on stuff and 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 cares about this music like it wasn't just you know music of opportunity which it seems like it is sometimes with people for him it was it's something that he uh goes deep with and is still learning about and still like rabid about mm-hmm. agreed and he like he, it, it goes without saying but it's kind of obvious time and place that he would have access but he is a, a mega record collector as well no and, uh, beyond yeah i just like when like you know so to speak like my heroes are sort of cut in the mold that i i think i've become a part of and it's like it's it's nice to see that lineage if you will yeah no i agree i think it is uh it it was one of those ones that i was really you know there's like so many conversations i got to have with people that i i never really met in real life and yeah it was it was uh you know that was one that was really special to me yeah it's a good one. You did a great job too. I've heard him on a few other oh, things. Buddy, that, that was that was great. Um, next one again, switching gears um, for listeners. So uh, one episode one seventy eight. I've talked about it before, certainly, and shouted it out. I, I think this is one of my favorite. May, might be my favorite of the whole show, um, the whole run of the shows. I think this is probably the most low key, deep head hitter episode, and it's David Paho. And again, completely an episode I would never have expected to be sort of knocked on my ass from, but I really was. And I, I to this day, think maybe it has the greatest, very human, um, uh, what's the word, like observation and analysis of like what Danzig the human being is like and mm-hmm. or was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean that very complimentary. And I say that as someone who I think publicly at this point most people know that that's not like my favorite thing in the world, but uh, Dave, David basically like listening to that makes me want to go like listen to Sam Hain or the Misfits or something. So yeah, yeah, like he he is uh, super cool, like just someone who's mm-hmm. just like beyond beyond awesome. And getting him, I, I met him like I talked about this in the intro to that episode, but like I had met him briefly backstage at a show and uh, was talking to him about the CDs that he was playing that night. And he was super, oh, he did a Misfits cover that night even, I think. And he was just like, like super down with punk rock. But then, you know, upon researching and, and reading about his like history and it being like, oh no, this dude's like a total like hardcore kid. And you having that confirmed and just being like, man, I don't know, just to be able to bring Slint into the fold so, so uh, concretely was, uh, was very validating. Yeah, I agree. And again, I think it's like, just speaking for myself, like my perception of Slint, or at least the, you know, the people who are responsible for that project, I would have never placed as like, you know, giant misfits fans, let's say. And so it's just even that kind of thing is is kind of uh, the weird intersection that I like um, that you get on the show a lot. He also drops the little nugget uh, about Bonnie Prince Billy apparently knowing every single lyric to every single <laughs> Misfits and every single Ramones song ever. Yep, yep. There's little teasers in it too. That's great. Um, but it, I'm still it also say, directly sorry. I don't, it also no, directly go, go. connects to the Dwid episode too. Yes, that, which is a wild connection. Exactly. And also, I'm going to go out on the limb right now and say that uh, I believe David Paho to be the the biggest Misfits. Bah. The biggest Misfits fan in the world, pardon my tongue tongue twister. Yeah, that's that's definitely like a a curse that you don't know if you want to bestow on any one person. 
but uh, you're right. That is definitely, he is someone who, I don't know, the way he talks about them and also the fact that he's, he's you know, covered them. It's just, yeah, you know, you, you, you got a point. He was offered the gig too, right? Mm-hmm. Which is wild. That that whole, yeah, it's just great. But listeners who have not heard that, please very much to listen to that immediately. That episode in the Brian Baker episode give you a really cool little history of Sam Hain in that, you know, it's, it's very interesting to hear between those two episodes. Yep, agreed. That's a great shout out. Um, next episode on my list, another legend. Again, in this episode, it's I would say every 10 seconds, there's something to learn or a jaw-dropping story or um, anything like that. It's entertaining throughout the whole way, and it's just, just completely thick with any and all things relevant to the show. And it's episode 192, Thurston Moore. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was super nervous about that one. I had no idea it was going to go. <laughs> Thurston and I have a tumultuous history. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's been, it's, it's been pretty awesome for a long time, but that's my gateway, man. Thurston was the guy that got me into punk through through Sonic Youth and definitely through like shouting out all the shit that he shouts out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I felt, and I also felt like he enjoyed it, which was, yeah was 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 really cool like knowing that like we, we came out of that being like i think he had a good time well and i think like again the episode it's 192 so just shy of 200 and you know you run up to that point right i think it's starting to at least in my view is it's i believe you're starting to really like you know get through to people in the sense of like what you're doing i think like folks like him who come on they get it right like and when you when you have that understanding it goes really well and i think in this case it really really did yeah there's no way he hadn't listened to the gerard cosloy episode or something you know like yeah was, and i mean i don't even know you know i'm not saying he's listening to every episode but i just no, mean like no. just like there's no way you can't you know be aware well you can be unaware but it's very unlikely i would think that someone of his you know deep understanding of this would be completely unaware of what you're doing and who's been on yeah yeah especially think- considering how many of his friends you've had on let's say yeah, and I just think even like people that check it out before they come on and do it themselves, mm. you know, I find there's always a little bit of that. Like, you know, I just listened to this episode because, uh, you know, I, I just want to see what it was like before I came mm-hmm. on. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't dip into like someone that he knew just to see what they said about punk rock. Because oh, he, sure. once again, he's a deep head. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I think him and uh, Roger are very similar in the sense that they both seem like they're they're still kind of like engaged with the act of like trying to learn about this thing. Yep, agreed. And uh number 10 is episode 206, not far from that, and it's switching gears completely and again, it's great because I've never heard an interview um like you did with this person and I think it's great on all levels, but it's Johnny Marr of the infamous Smiths of course and other projects but uh i think it's great because it it pulls in people who probably are just listening for johnny marr who may have checked it out but you understand very quickly that he is like very very cool and very very down uh, yeah down early and uh that was kind of surprising to how down he is to me yeah he's like another you know and i, I keep ticking them off the box but that's when i decided i wanted to become a manchester punk rock guitar collector you know just like the getting all these great guitar players that played in all you know all these legendary bands from 
Manchester that, you know, all kind of came out of the same scene. Um, you know, like that's where he kind of reveals that him and Billy Duffy grew up together. And uh, yeah, like it was just, it was awesome. And then, uh, you know, one of the great bands that I think, you know, that we discovered on this show, but certainly a band that we, we, we <laughs> like to talk about a lot on this show is the Sister Ray band uh-huh. that he, he played one show with that's my god if you have not checked out sister ray uh suicide it is and it's very hard to search <laughs> because the suicide song uh or suicide cover of sister ray comes up so uh-huh. if you look so suicide uh by sister ray up on youtube yeah picture young johnny mar playing with that it's like no wonder he didn't give a shit about playing in the smiths later on he was like i already <laughs> already played in the greatest rock and roll band ever from manchester <laughs> but yeah that's my that's my 10 there i think it's uh i think it's a well-rounded 10 there's you know no i definitely like it was fun going back listening to that with you and looking at those because there are you know i just i, I know i feel i feel the same way about these these episodes that i do about my record collection where there's like they're all my babies you know like there's mm-hmm. all there's there's a couple episodes like <laughs> there's definitely a couple of those that were a little rough a little rough <laughs> you know i just realized john joseph came back for a part two i yeah. totally forgot he's like buried on the tail end of the matt freeman episode yeah oh yeah i knew i, I recall that vividly yeah and then also the craig satari um uh fletcher from pennywise episode is is also buried on the tail end of I'm trying to remember dan panic's episode not dan panic someone from screeching weasels episode uh jughead yeah i can't jughead's been, yeah i can't i'm I, again i remember it but i couldn't remember which but yeah yeah but this chris has been a incredible ride thank you for riding with me for the last five years doing footnotes with me off air in the very beginning and then of course on air for all these <laughs> years uh and yeah like you were really uh you know one of one of my uh closest confidants on this thing and i appreciate your ear Hey man, well, I appreciate you doing it, and I and I I enjoy it as much as it's often uh, a lot of work some weeks, <laughs> depending on the guest as far as research is concerned. Uh, speaking of that, on to one of those footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, if you're hearing this, you have made it through the monolith that was episode three hundred, Lauren. You know, get a prize. You get yeah, Lauren. Very long. Yeah. Lauren listened to the entire thing right here beside me. She did not move for three hours. Like, I thought she was in a trance. I had to check a pulse at one point. Um, you know, she had her eyes closed, but I think that was just to to concentrate a little bit more on, on the punk stuff that we were talking about. Totally. <laughs> You'll be back for an episode, though, one day, right? Definitely. Oh. I have promised Damien that one day... I will do the episode. Considering that um, punk has had a huge part in our lives, and that is how we met, and, you know, 17 years and three kids later, it it is time at some point to play tribute, but not today. Well, until that day, uh, I thank you for coming here on episode 300. It's my pleasure. I'm going to go check if those kids are asleep. Okay, you go, you, Lauren's going to go check if the kids are asleep. I'm just going to wrap up by saying thank you so much to... Of course, uh, Danko Jones and Nick Flanagan, we have been talking. We're going to start doing a monthly podcast together. So if you enjoyed uh, that very long conversation, don't worry. There's more to come. 
and also thank you to Jay Maskus, Fred Armisen, both of you. I love both of you very much. Thank you for your support of this show. Chris O'Toole, this thing would not be possible without you, buddy. You were the original believer in this thing, and you are my co-host for Footnotes, and I, I love you dearly. Uh, uh, Tristan Abraham, thank you for all the hard work you do. You're my brother. Uh, you're, you're, yeah, the booker. You, you, you're the booker man. You're the booker man. Thank you for what you do for this show. Uh, thank you also to Brian Schwartz, uh, Amy Adams, and Kim Ross for all they've done for this show as well over the years and helping me keep uh, keep it on the rails. And Vans and, and Brooke at Vans and all the people at Vans that support this thing. And I feel I feel like there's an Oscar speech. I'm just running through all the names that I can remember right now. My family. I got to thank my family. I got to thank uh, Audio Boom, even though my fees keep going up. But thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, I got to thank Rode. Rode gave me this microphone way back when. And, uh, yeah, like, really, if they didn't give me this microphone, Rode Podcaster, that's what I use. If anyone wants to know, Rode Podcaster and, and, and GarageBand, and you can do this, too. It's It's easy shit. Easy, easy shit. Oh, uh, that's it. I'm trying to remember who else I got to thank. Who who else I have to I, I have to uh, give it up for. And of course, Corey Harris. And uh, once again, to hear more about Mother Thirteen, head over to Sharpling and Worcester. And this show would not be happening without the influence of Sharpling and Worcester, without the influence of Waiting and John Pollock over there post wrestling, without the uh, the the influence of Colt Cabana and Colt Cabana's fantastic podcast as well. Uh, Danko Jones and his podcast. And yeah, I just, man, I, I owe a lot of people a lot of thanks. And I, you know, patrons, all the patrons, holy shit. Thank you to the patrons. And all you, all you that listen, even if you're just listening to like one episode, even if you just duck in and hear Brian Baker and then you duck out for another 12 months, that's fine. I appreciate you coming in and listening, uh, whatever brought you here. Remember, uh, as always, black lives matter. The lives of indigenous people matter. We need to protect trans kids. We need to protect trans people. Go out there, get informed, sign your uh, petitions, uh, show up, do whatever you can to get involved. Uh, Fuck fascism. uh, Smash that shit. Uh, Go out there, make your own culture. It helps. It'll help your mental health. It'll help your mental state. And sign your organ donor cards, because by the time they come looking for those organs, you're not going to need them anymore. So why don't you sign that card and help someone else uh, get through. Uh, wear a mask. And, and that's it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for supporting and believing in this thing. We've got lots more to come. Uh, you know, it's just <laughs> we're keeping the fun times going. Uh, yeah, it, it's not letting up. Thank you, everyone. Love you. See you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.